so you can hear the bombing right now. Getting the cars ready. That's why we need people who has cars to come down here to pick up the families. So they're getting hit. Airstrikes. Where? Oh my days. Wow, you can see the smoke, bruv. Look, you can see the plane still going past. Ahmed. That dot moving. Bread's coming towards us, bruv. Freaking hell. He's, bruv, he's right on top of the house, bro. Would you be inside, though? Is it better to be inside yeah. or outside? What if it hits this? You better hear the outside. I said you get through the wood. Fucking shot, no. Alright, let's roll, man. Let's roll. Allahu Akbar, man. Alright, let's get in, 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 let's roll. Yalla, jump in, bro. Are you guys, you guys, come on. From Vice News, you're listening to source material. Unnarrated, unfiltered. World events told through the recordings of those who lived it. Episode 8 Vlogging the Syrian War Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh It's your boy AJ and I'm here at my second crib in the barber shop just about to get my hair cut So while I'm doing this, I'm gonna give you about 30 random facts about me So obviously number one, man loves the barber shop I'm here every week getting my hair cut Gotta get a nice fade, you know what I'm saying? Growing up in the UK, the barber shop is a vital point of a young lad's life. Number two, my favorite color is black. Yeah, I know bare people say that's a shade, but to me, it's a color. You're gonna go there to get your hair cut and look fresh, you know, for all of <laughs> you. all know what I'm talking about. I am six foot on the dot. Bare people don't believe me, but I am. So yeah, uh, I used to take my little brothers with me. We used to go and chill. Sometimes wait hours for our haircut. Me, I'm a lazy guy. You have a little TV on for background noise and you just got everybody talking about different things. When you walk into a barbershop, you always feel like you got like a sense of brotherhood there. If you know me in real life, you can't take me seriously. Sometimes even Well, you're talking to a person that you might have never met in your life. But they're like, oh, yo, young lad, how you doing? You know? And one of the biggest goals of my life is one day, inshallah, I'm going to travel the whole world. But yeah. That's really it. It's been your boy AJ. Salam alaikum. A big inspiration for me when I was young was my uncle. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi Alhamdulillah, we're here in uh, the blessed. So, my uncle Tokyo Sharif, also known as Tox, as a lot of people call him. When I was young, um, he'd been doing aid work for some time. He travelled to Pakistan during the floods. He travelled to uh, Palestine 
We've been working on various projects uh, from flour to baking bread to humble teaching the children in the refugee camps. I was very intrigued by the life my uncle lived, you know, the fact that he gave up everything to go and help people. Just a small reminder from us, inshallah, that Allah says in the Quran, Allah says, what is wrong with you? That you do not strive, that you do not fight for the sake of Allah when the men, the women, subhanAllah, look at the small children here. You know, they need us. And I thought that was something that was so heroic and so like next level, I would say. And I always thought, you know what, one day I want to do something like that. Now, in 2011, the civil war started in Syria. People started coming out and protesting. And, you know, Bashar Assad decided to try and quell the protesting by sending his military out and shooting at the people. When dozens of peaceful air protesters were shot dead by President Bashar al-Assad's security forces. And that's what actually sparked the war. The UN now reports Syria's humanitarian crisis is intensifying. More than 9 million Syrians in need of emergency assistance. And the United Nations says there are millions of Syrians in dire need of relief. So what happens is my uncle actually moved to Syria uh, and we came out as a family and uh, we didn't plan on actually staying in Syria. The actual plan was just to come in, do a little bit of aid work, because at the time you could get into Syria very easily. It's 12.17 in the morning. It was September, so school had just finished. I'll show you around a little bit. Uh, so it's summer holidays. Look, this is the ice cream line. It is massive. When I first came, I did film here and there. Videos of myself and that little memories. Of course, there's no event without snacks. And this is a Syrian cultural bean thing. So, my life in Syria, I would say, went through stages. At the start, from the age of 13, 14, I loved every single minute of being in Syria. I'm going to show you our crib, you know. This is the best house you can ever have. Look how sick it is. I had a perception of Syria that I think a lot of us back at home have, which is bombs going to be falling everywhere. What am I going to do? Um, I actually told myself, you know, what, I'm going to eat rocks. Yeah, now we're just chilling in our house. <laughs> you want a cup of tea? But when I got here, one of the first things I saw was a chicken shop, and I was like, no way. Now I'm not even going to say the chicken is anywhere near. Um, the KFCs or uh, even Chicken Cottage or Dixie, uh, my favorite chicken shop. It was it was unfathomable because when I came, I was like, oh my days, there's groceries, there's people, what's going on? There's no bombs. So I heard this is a good stream. I'm gonna put my feet in. You know, I don't even know why I'm filming my feet. Oh, it's, so, it's cold, bro. A lot of my friends used to say to me, Asian, you're in Syria, bro. Are you crazy? And I used to be like, bro, I'm telling you, it's not what you think it is. So I started making the vlogs. We love you guys, you know, you people are the My account was called AJ's in Syria. It was actually for my friends, so they can see that, you know what? There is bombs, probably in two, three towns away. There's bombing happening. 
but life has to continue. Peace out. It's been a long day. It's your boy AJ. Over and out. It's 8 a.m. in the morning and we are going to Idlib in this truck. So uh, we're going to go to an area that not many people know. It's like up mountain area. and like I'm going to try to vlog the whole thing. I'm sitting in the front seat, so shotgun that before Amir says he is. And yeah, let's see how it goes on, inshallah. The first year for me of being in Syria was going to the camps and filming distributions that my uncle was doing at the time. It's the 29th of Ramadan, people are escaping bombing. It's not a freaking show. Wallahi, look at your brothers and sisters. Don't you feel ashamed? So my uncle built an organization out here in Syria. We're coming and we're giving them hot iftar meals, but it's not enough, my dear brothers and sisters. They need a shelter. They don't need to be sitting out here, a show for all of us. I used to film all of his videos and then I would edit it. Why do we have to come and sit here and film these kind of things it's embarrassing for us we feel embarrassed you know when you're doing charity work you don't really like to put a camera in people's faces but we have to show the people that have donated the people back at home one what it's like for the people out here and number two where their aid is going this house is actually broken it's like bed devastated you know so we want to give him a little present no, his house has just got bombed. He has to pay for this whole thing to get rebuilded again. We're giving him a little food pack and this guy's house is finished. That was the start of my work out here in Syria. And then later on, Alhamdulillah, which means all praise to God, I actually got... Uh, the chance to be in front of the camera and do the distributions for myself. What's good? It's your boy AJ and we're back in the camp, subhanAllah. Now you can see behind me, this is how mad the situation is. I'm getting like stuck in the mud. I just want to make you guys understand or let you guys... Wow, my foot's stuck. Let you guys understand. Give me your hand. Jeez. Oh, I'm stuck. I got stuck. Uh, so I want you guys to understand that this is the start of winter, subhanAllah. It's only raining a little bit. And if this is happening while it's raining a little bit, you don't understand what's going to happen next. So as I was saying, it's going to slip. Red's <laughs> <laughs> full of mud. They're all cracking up. You know the kids got to have fun. <laughs> Look at the smiles. Assalamu alaikum. Shoot, shoot, sell into. Let's go. Let's go. Shoot, sell into. So, from the morning at six o'clock, it's just been pouring down. Right now, all of the camps are flooded again. When I hit the age of 17, 18, after I'd done the vlogging for a little while, I started getting homesick. And the women were already saying that living under the bombs is better than living in the floods. This is what is going on, man. You leave from the bombs and you come to this. That's when I was like, you know what? I didn't sign up for this. Just the circle of Syria. 
And we're here in the building that got bombed yesterday. So like, all these tents behind me were hit with the rocket. I'm not sure you what the place looks like. It's crazy, man. Uh, the smell, you can smell the blood, you smell the burnt uh, flesh. It's mad. Like, man, I miss home. I miss my family. I miss my friends. Like, you know what? I'm done. Uh, I'd spoken to my family in the UK um, at different times, telling them that, you know what, I, I want to come back. The reason why I never actually committed to it was because of my uncle, because he would always say to me, OK, cool, you can go. No problem. If you want to leave, you know, you can leave. That's not an issue. But do you really want this to be the last thing that you've done or can you do more? I think, you know, a lot of people may think that the Syrian crisis is over. Just because it doesn't make the news doesn't mean that nothing is going on. Ease them out and get them to safety. But yeah, we're on our way out. You know, one of the maddest experiences for me was this, the time that we went to Martinoman. And Martinoman was known as a bustling city. But when we went there the last time, we went to go and evacuate the people. For example, if you have tea from your house and you can take just three stuff, it's a favor for you. What you get to take from your house? My grabs, my wallet, and my phone. And what would you do? Me? Yeah. I'm gonna take my laptop and my bike and my family. <laughs> now the road was, you know, very quiet. But now we're going into the danger zone because this is the road that is known to get hit. But as soon as we get into Mart Norman or even close to it, I just hear boom. We've driven into this town now. Planes are just going everywhere. I can see the smoke while I'm driving through. It was just crazy. And we're here in Marknoman. SubhanAllah, I've been here so many times on many occasions. But today we're here on an emergency mission trying to get as many people out of the city as we can. We get there, um, we start asking the people who can fit into a four-seater car, who's got the least amount of stuff. So you can see the situation, subhanAllah. Um, the people are scared, um, rushing to get out of here. Obviously, this is the reason why we came, because we saw a video, subhanAllah, in the morning of a brother legit bawling out, crying, saying that we need your help. We need you guys to come and get us out of these houses. It was a commotion. Um, what I didn't show in the video, and I didn't really want to show this, was the people are uh, just shouting over each other. People are panicking. They want to get out of the town. They, they're screaming. Um, there's people saying, no, we don't want to go in a small car. We want a big car. We're saying, look, we don't have that 
um, right now. We have a small car. If you're ready, let's go. ...by the people, because we're hearing that the regime uh, is trying to bomb the hell out of the city. They don't care who dies, and they want to take this city back. One of the guys says, you know what? Let's go. I need to get out of here. My family needs to move to safety. Let's get out of here. So we say, all right, cool. We roll down to his house, and... It's so sad. This guy had his kids there. Um, he's trying to pack for his family. Oh, so you can hear the bombing right now. Getting the cars ready. That's why we need people who has cars to come down here to pick up the families. So they're getting hit. Airstrike. So we're putting the kids in the car. And as we're putting the kids in the car. Where? Oh, my oh days. My <laughs> A strike hits like a couple meters in front of us. Look, you can see the plane still going past. Muhammad! Muhammad! Towards the side, I don't know if you can see on the camera. You see that right there? That dot moving. It was nuts, and we've run into the house and we forgot that the kid's in the car. Bread's coming towards us, bro. Freaking hell. He's, bro, he's right on top of the house, bro. Would you be inside though? Is it better to be inside yeah. or outside? What if it hits this? You better hear the outside. I said you get through the wood. Fucking shot no. That's close. So we run back out, and the kids are just sitting there, normal, like they've seen this every single day of their life. And you got us three running around, or uh, one of us wearing a metal plate. Alright, let's roll, man. Let's roll. Let's roll, man. Let's roll. Let's roll. Yalla, man. Allahu Akbar, man. We were scared. Alright, let's get in. 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 Let's roll. Yalla, jump in, bro. Are you going in that car? The reality is, when you're under that bomb, when you're when you're standing there, it is nuts. Well, let's get out of here, man. Swanla. And all you're trying to think about is, look, I need to get out of here safely. I need to get this family to safety. So much going through your head. to their cars right now. We need to get out of here, man. We need to get out of here. SubhanAllah. Anyway, we end up getting the people and the family into the car. We've got radios on us. We're trying to tell my uncle that we left. Um, the radios are not connecting. So we just drive out. We made this plan from the start. It keeps hitting the same place. Right, let's get out of here, man. We get out of the town and because the car now is full of people and the weight of the car is heavy. Yeah, we're driving slow. This car's making some noise. Hopefully we're gonna get to Idlib. We end up breaking down like literally a little while out of the town. We're here, we broke down in the street finally. I went all the way down there, got some drinks, came back, told the boys that we're here. The team's coming now, we're just drinking our barbecue. So we're waiting on the road for the team to come and take us home. This is so long. We are sitting on the wall, families in the car, I feel like they're pissed now. Oh, look who's here! Look who's here! Look who's here! Wow! Finally, after. Martin Man was a mad situation. 
telling the people that you can just take what you carry like think about it if you were in your house how many things would you want to grab the reality is you know we have to be there for our brothers and sisters at the end of the day our life is in the hand of our creator and that's how i see it you know if you ask me honestly i would say that our time here in syria is coming to an end when was the last time that you left syria um, the last time I left Syria was the same time I came in. I haven't left since I've been here. Um, so back in September 2013. Wow. Yeah. Is your passport expired? Yeah, my passport's expired. I, I actually haven't renewed it. I haven't um, done anything with it um, while I've been here. But... Um, more more important is the citizenship than the actual passport itself you know yeah yeah so aj so like we talked about on the phone the other day we were producing this story the story is about you coming to syria and you know doing these vlogs over many years and having a really unique perspective on the syrian civil war and the situation there but as we were producing this show, some of the stuff about your uncle and some of the allegations there that are pretty serious came up. It's a crazy, crazy situation. The allegations against him don't make sense. Um, a letter was sent to his home um, and he'd found out that he's lost his citizenship. Well, I'm joined now live from northern Syria by Tukir Sharif who is from Essex and who has gone to Syria to support jihadi fighters there and to do aid work. I think you've introduced me wrong again. You say that I'm here to support jihadi fighters. I'm here to support the Syrian people and any people that are being oppressed. I think this is something... Let's start with the citizenship. So your uncle, Takir Sharif, who goes by talks, in May 2017, he got a letter from the UK Home Office, the Secretary of State. It says, you are a British-Pakistani dual national who has traveled to Syria and is aligned with an AQ-aligned group. And I assume that means Al-Qaeda-aligned group. Yeah. Uh, do you know what they're talking about? Um, to be honest, no. I don't know what they're talking about. I know my uncle. I've worked alongside him for the last seven years. The guy is an aid worker. The guy put his life on the line to help the people here. So I don't understand where they got that from. Hmm. The UK government right now and in the past year or two, with the, the Syrian civil war coming to a close, at least it's kind of past its climax. Um, yeah. Everybody who went to Syria during that time is returning home. And the UK government says they're having trouble figuring out who went there, you know, to fight with ISIS or who was doing aid work. And, you know, what would you say to the UK government if they said, live updates from Syria, your charity is 
just using aid work to cover for people who fought in Syria? I could tell you that straight up. See, even with my uncle's situation, um, I think we were hearing that, you know, even they were saying that he fought for ISIS. Now, I don't know if that was the British government or that was just hearsay. We don't work with ISIS and we never ever did. And furthermore, ISIS don't like us more than they don't like uh, the British government or the British people themselves. So, of course, we would not work with anyone that worked with them and we don't even want to support them. My reply would be to the British government if they're saying that live updates for Syria is a front of uh, to do aid work, but actually they're doing something else. And um, I would say we've been working day in, day out. There's not a time that we've stopped from... 2013 there has been work day after day shown on the platform you know we are showing exactly what we're doing and that's the whole point of live updates for syria we're a bunch of aid workers so that's that, that's what i would say to them i'll say to them go and check out the hours the years of work that we have online because no one can fake it that hard you know Go and watch one of my vlogs. That's my daily life. <laughs> if you can see any time there that I have free to go and do something else or, you know, whatever they believe that we're doing, because that's not true. The honest reality is that that's how life is here. We're getting accused of like some some crazy stuff. And now it's happening from both both sides. You know, the British government is accusing us of working with um, AQ aligned groups or Al-Qaeda. Then you got um, the the Al Qaeda groups here, or the groups here that think we're working with the British government. Okay, it's so it's so confusing, but it's a crazy situation to be in because you're just like, wait, guys, what's going on? We just want to work. That's all we've come here to do. I mean, considering all of that coming from both sides, you know, do you think about closing up shop and and leaving? Um, to be honest, yeah, you know, I think that everyone that's come here, all of the aid workers that are here right now have to start thinking like that because it might come to an end for us very soon. If you try to go back and the UK government is saying, well, we don't know what you did in Syria. You were there for a really long time. Yeah. Um, you may have fought for ISIS or you were associated with Al-Qaeda. Mm. What would you say to them? How do you respond to them? If I was ever arrested on those allegations, is it's very clear what I was doing here. Obviously, they can't actually come and ask the people here what the situation is. But, you know, the people in Syria just know us. Anytime I walk down the street, it's, oh, hi, AJ, how you doing? You good? All right, cool. If you need anything, let me know. You don't get that. <laughs> you don't get that. Did ISIS get that happiness and welcome? No. Because why? Because the people didn't like them. Because of the mad stuff that they were doing. So if you're going to say that I was really assisting ISIS, one, I've had so many death threats from them. And two, it's, it's crazy. Why would I want to do that? I came here to help the people, you know, and it's very clear that I've been doing that. I've got a lot of comments that are like, 
you liar, you terrorist, you this, you that. Um, I've got pro Bashar people telling me that they want to kill me. I've got um, people from outside, from Britain, from America telling me that I'm lying and I'm making the situation up. But the honest truth is that's my life and this is what I'm living. This is who we are. This is what we're doing here. No, this is this is who AJ is. It's been your boy AJ. This is my outro. Um, peace. We contacted the UK Home Office regarding AJ's uncle, Takir Sharif, and his citizenship, but they said they would not comment on individual cases. We also asked about other employees of the charity, live updates from Syria, but the UK Home Office declined to comment. Source material is a multimedia project. Go to Vice's YouTube page to see our source material video series, directed by Ian Bell. Source material is primarily made with the help of those who lived these events. The podcast is produced by Nicole Kelly, Peter Lang Stanton, and Matt Frasica, and edited by Kate Osborne. Our associate producer is Stephanie Brown. Original score and sound design by Steve Bone and Kyle Murdoch. Janet Lee is senior production manager for Vice Audio. If you dig this, please subscribe, share, and leave a review.